From CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today we look at early childhood education and whether teacher race and ethnicity can play a role in parental engagement with Head Start programs. In developmental psychology, our theory really suggests that kids develop primarily through these sort of small, everyday interactions they have with adults. And that suggests that the early educator that they're with all the time is a really important person in their lives. We welcome UCLA's Anna Markowitz, co-author of a new study of thousands of American families, which sought to understand if a teacher's race and ethnicity played a role in outcomes like parental involvement, conference attendance, and even student absenteeism. Among Hispanic families, match was associated with a 17% reduction in absenteeism, and parents were about 10 percentage points more likely to go to those Head Start workshops. She joined CPRI Knowledge Hub Managing Editor Keith Hugh Miller to discuss her findings and some important implications for policymakers, practitioners, and families across the country. Policies designed to increase the quality of Head Start by increasing education levels of early educators might also have unintended consequences. Strategies to improve quality should probably consider really actively how to retain diversity in the workforce and how to build better relationships with parents in the absence of that racial ethnic match. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Anna Markowitz, Assistant Professor with the UCLA Graduate School of Education and Information Studies. Thanks so much for joining us, Anna. Thanks, Keith. I'm really excited to be here. So today we're discussing your new study, which was co-authored with the University of Virginia's Daphne Basak and Vanderbilt University's Jason Grissom, titled Teacher-Child Racial Ethnic Match and Parental Engagement with Head Start. It was recently published in the American Educational Research Journal, and it it takes a unique look at parental engagement in early childhood education, specifically how race and ethnicity can influence that engagement among Head Start families. To start, could you just give us a primer on what Head Start is and why you felt this is a program worth studying? Sure. So Head Start was one of the core anti-poverty programs that was founded during the Johnson administration's um, War on Poverty in the 60s. And it's fundamentally an early education program. So um, little kids go to childcare all day. It's only available to poor children in the United States. But what's interesting about Head Start is that it's always had this really strong core of parent engagement and parent outreach. The idea was that you could build a more sustainable intervention by providing enriching experiences for kids during the day at the centers, but then also helping the parents sort of do a little bit better um, pull their feet up, that sort of thing. So Head Start offers um, services for parents to find jobs. It tries to create ways to connect them to other parents or other community resources to sort of build that social support network. And then there are also workshops on building your parenting skills and stuff like that. Head Start is a really popular program. Last year, it served about um, a million kids between Head Start and Early Head Start. And there is this large body of research suggesting that it does well. There are sort of good short and long-term outcomes for kids. And then there's some evidence that Head Start is good for parents as well, which is nice. For us, Head Start is worth studying because it is the federal government's largest investment in early education. And it also serves the most vulnerable children in America. You can only go to Head Start if your family income is below the federal poverty line. So you have to be quite poor to go in. 
Um, the other thing is because it is a federal program, it's often a proving ground of sorts for the policies that other childcare settings will use um, to try to improve quality. So it offers us a sort of unique opportunity to peek under the hood of early education before things become widespread. What was it that drew you to this specific line of research um, involving both racial ethnic match and parental engagement in early childhood? Were there you know, indicators that those factors might be connected somehow, or were there changes in teacher or student demographics in Head Start that prompted some of the questions from your team? Yeah, this study was fun because I think it actually really fit at the nexus of what uh, myself and my co-authors are interested in. So it was motivated from a few lines of work. Personally, I'm a developmental psychologist, and I'm interested in how children develop in early education programs, um, and in particular, how the adults in the room shape that development. In developmental psychology, our theory really suggests that kids develop primarily through these sort of small, everyday interactions they have with adults. And that suggests that the early educator that they're with all the time is a really important person in their lives. But it's really not easy to teach little kids all day long. Um, And so sometimes high-quality early education can be hard to come by. And so one thing that policymakers are doing is trying to think about ways to improve the quality in the classroom, potentially through increasing the education requirements for early educators, maybe even up to a bachelor's degree. For those of you that aren't familiar with early education, this would actually be a pretty significant shift. Currently, the early education workforce has pretty low levels of education on average. And in fact, in many places, you still don't even have to have a high school degree to work in a child care program. And in most settings where there is a requirement, it's a child development associate's degree rather than a bachelor's. So this would be a big change. Despite the sort of low levels of education of the workforce, it's also one of our most diverse workforces. Early educators are far more like the children and families that they're working with every day than K-12 teachers are. And requiring these women to get an expensive bachelor's degree could actually serve to remove them from the workforce and effectively make the workforce more white. Uh, My colleague Daphne Basak actually has a paper that shows that the increase in education requirements in the Head Start setting has whitened the, the Head Start workforce over time. And so this really got us thinking a little bit, Um, although it could be really great to get these educators more education themselves, there may be the potential for unintended consequences, and and we could really lose something by effectively creating a less diverse workforce. This question and our interest in that seemed particularly pressing in the context of the growing K-12 literature on teacher-child racial ethnic match, which Jason does a lot of work in. When I say teacher-child racial ethnic match, what I mean is basically that the child and the teacher that they work with all the time share a race and ethnicity. There's really been some incredible work in this area um, by Jason and by folks like Constance Lindsay at UNC showing that match is meaningfully linked with children's academic growth in school, particularly for black kids. And so the quantitative literature shows us, great, match is good for kids, but it doesn't really know why that's the case. There is a body of qualitative research exploring this topic, um, particularly that by Concha Delgado-Gaetan, suggesting that it could be teachers' ability to engage with parents that might matter. And in the context of early education, that makes sense. Um, It might really matter that teachers and parents are checking in with each other and understanding what happens with their kiddo all day. So that really led us to an interesting set of questions. What is the role of parents um, and what is the role of teacher-child racial ethnic match um, in the classroom? And might that be a reason why we see um, these benefits? And so we decided to do that in the context of Head Start, both because of DASNA's evidence about the whitening of the workforce, and also because it's a place where the shift towards requiring more education might really matter because children Head Start are um, so diverse themselves. 
Um, so we decided to dig in here and, and figure out a little bit more about how match might matter and what that might mean for unintended consequences. Uh, in this study, you drew data from two waves of the Head Start Family and Child Experiences Surveys, or FACES for short. Could you just give us an idea of what that survey contains and maybe an idea of the scope and your approach to this work? Sure. FACES is a nationally representative data collection effort that covers all of the Head Start programs in the United States. So you can sort of imagine putting a piece of paper with the name of a Head Start center in a hat um, and having sort of every program in the country in this hat and then pulling a bunch of them out and saying, you're going to take part in my study. There's been a round of FACES data collection every three years since about 1997. And what FACES is trying to do is to just learn more about Head Start and how it's working from a bunch of different perspectives. So it surveys program directors, teachers in the centers, and parents, and asks them about themselves and their experiences with Head Start. So teachers are asked about their classrooms and how they feel about their work. Parents are asked about their household and how they parent, um, stuff like that. So we took data from the 2006 and 2009 versions of the survey, which gave us information from about 6,000 families. From this, we were able to code up information on teacher and parent demographics, information about how much parents engage with Head Start, so how often they did things like talk with the teachers or go to parent-teacher conferences or volunteer in the classrooms, and then how much they did things like take up other supports from Head Start. So I mentioned earlier that Head Start might help parents get jobs or link them to community resources. It asked parents how often they engage with Head Start for reasons like that. We thought of these activities as sort of falling into two categories. The first was child-specific categories, so things that parents do that are specifically related to helping their child succeed in the classroom. This would include volunteering in the classroom, maybe going on field trips, um, going to those parent-teacher conferences. And here we also put um, in-child attendance. You might think attendance doesn't seem like parent engagement, but it's important to remember that these kids are three and four years old, so actually they basically get to school because their parent gets them there. And then the other bucket of things that we thought about was more parent-focused. So Head Start has this dual child and parent focus. What are the things that Head Start puts together for parents specifically? So here we put activities like going to Head Start workshops, going to Head Start social events, doing fundraising for Head Start, things like that. And so from all of this data, we can basically see whether or not parents took part in Head Start activities more if their child shared a race or ethnicity with the teacher in the room while accounting for a bunch of other important factors that we wouldn't want to muddy our estimate. Um, so your team came away with a number of different findings, not only related to overall parental engagement and racial ethnic matching, but to outcomes like absenteeism as well. Could you walk us through what you learned? Sure. So the headline of the paper is sort of that for all families, there does seem to be a relationship between match and parents' engagement with Head Start. We found evidence that parents of children who share race or ethnicity with their teacher are both more likely to engage with Head Start in general, so they're more likely to just show up one time, but they're also more likely to be deeply involved with Head Start. So we saw um, an effect on whether or not they went sort of more times throughout the year. That means that Match is effective at both getting parents in the door and in keeping them there, which is nice. For the analysts out there, I want to note that the findings that we're reporting here did exist in models that had center-fixed effects. So what that means is that we saw this relationship among families that all went to the same center but did or did not experience match. The relationship between match and involvement was stronger for activities that were child-specific, so match seemed to do a lot more to get parents into the door when it came to activities that were specifically for their kiddos. They volunteered more, they attended conferences more, 
And notably, we also saw a reduction in absenteeism in the presence of match, which was a pretty exciting finding because absenteeism, I think, is something that a lot of people are interested in right now. Uh, match was associated with both a decrease in the number of absences a child had a year, so sort of just a count of the absences, but also in the likelihood that a child was chronically absent. The relationship was also particularly strong among families who identified as Hispanic on our survey. So for these families, the child-specific associations were larger. And then we also saw that match was related to those parent-specific activities we talked about. Hispanic families that experienced match were much more likely to attend social events and workshops for parents, which was exciting. I should say that the relationships were modest in size, but they were potentially meaningful. So for example, among Hispanic families, Match was associated with a 17% reduction in absenteeism, so sort of nothing to sneeze at there. And parents were about 10 percentage points more likely to go to those Head Start workshops, um, so learn about parenting and things like that. Because of the particular strength of the Hispanic findings, we ended up having a lot of questions about um, whether or not this could be driven potentially by Spanish-speaking families who might form a particular bond with a Spanish-speaking teacher. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't look in both 2006 and 2009 at the presence of just a language match because it wasn't available in the data. Um, so what we did instead was we compared Hispanic families that reported speaking Spanish versus those who did not, and Hispanic families who reported at least one immigrant origin parent um, as compared to those who did not. And what we found was basically the same pattern across all the different ways that we could cut um, the Hispanic subgroup. So for us, this suggests that while an exciting thing is that match does seem to be helpful um, for those maybe more vulnerable families, such as those who have an immigrant origin parent or um, those who are speaking Spanish, but that that wasn't the only reason um, that these families appeared to be in the door. The relationship was true across the whole Hispanic subsample. One thing that we were surprised about, particularly because of the robustness of the benefit of racial match um, for black children in elementary, middle, and high school, is that we didn't really find strong findings among Black families. Um, this is something we're still thinking about, but one hypothesis we have is that, in general, um, Black families seem to be in Head Start centers that had more Black teachers in general in the space. So it could be that in the context of a center where many teachers and perhaps the director are Black, your specific teacher matching might mean a little bit less. Um, in contrast, this was much less true for Hispanic families. They weren't um, going to centers that had a large proportion of, of Hispanic teachers. I'm curious what you think the implications of your work might be, particularly in relation to Head Start's two-generation mission and this growing recognition we're seeing of the importance of early childhood education and experiences. I think this paper reminds us that families choose their early education settings for a number of reasons and that all of those reasons are meaningful. Policymakers are concerned about using early education as a way to invest in our country's future, and that totally makes sense. There's a lot of evidence that suggests that early education is a good investment and that it's a great way to support the development of very young children. But for parents, they're just looking to send their child to a place that makes them all feel safe, secure, and understood, and that's equally valid. More than that, early education centers really serve as parents' first opportunities to engage with the systems that are going to be caring for and educating their child for the next 12 or so years. And that means they really have the potential to set up great relationships between home and school and to sort of set the tone. For Head Start, this has always been a concern. And our study provides empirical support for this idea that policies designed to increase the quality of Head Start, which is a noble goal, 
by increasing education levels of early educators um, might also have unintended consequences when it comes to forming those baseline sort of school-home relationships and um, setting children and families up for success in the future. Um, and we want to note that this is particularly likely to be true in settings like Head Start, which serves a large a number of children from non-white backgrounds. Previous research, as I said before, does suggest that increasing education requirements will whiten the workforce, and so it's a real issue um, that we need to keep thinking about in the future. Strategies to improve quality should probably consider really actively how to retain diversity in the workforce and how to build better relationships um, with parents in the absence of that racial ethnic match. So directors could be thinking about issues of diversity and representation in their hiring practices, perhaps in how they're pairing lead and assistant teacher teams, and then consider professional learning opportunities focused on building relationships with diverse families. You know, all of that said, our findings obviously don't show conclusively whether or not the benefits of a more education workforce would outweigh the benefits of match. Um, but it does suggest that there's an, a call for more research here about the unintended consequences of these policies. And then more policy attention should be paid to this issue before we sort of jump in. I think it's right to ask questions about how to support our youngest learners and how to set them up for success down the line. But particularly for the two-generation-oriented Head Start, we can't forget that parents are playing a huge role in building those early experiences for their children as well, something I think the absentee finding uh, really, really highlights. And my last question would be, do you think there are opportunities here for future research, either for your team or for others who are working in this area? Oh, absolutely. First, from a race match perspective, um, this paper suggests that one potential mechanism for the effect that we've seen in other literature is parental engagement. And so testing for this relationship in other data and among older children seems like a really important and exciting next step. For folks that are interested in early education and particularly in thinking about the development of the early education workforce, um, this paper should speak to the importance of diversity and perhaps identifying other ways that having a diverse workforce is good for children and families. I think, as I said, sort of in the last question, the paper should raise all sorts of questions about what kinds of policies and programs we should be using to educate the workforce um, with a focus on sort of accessibility, um, both for new recruits and for the largely non-white um, workforce that we currently have. So I think that's an area that's ripe for future research. What can we do from a policy and programming perspective to maintain that diversity? Um, we also didn't explore any potential solutions. Um, at the center level that could do a lot here. So what might director-parent match mean? What role do assistant teachers play? And I'd love to see research on that because um, in the early education setting, there are lots of adults that are interacting with children throughout the course of the day. And then I think, you know, questions about how we can build connections with parents in the absence of match. The bottom line is you can't create a classroom where every kid is going to um, experience match without some segregation, which should not be something that we're thinking about doing for kids. So how can programs just be working to build affirming spaces where families feel welcome, sort of no matter the context? And again, this seems particularly important for the absenteeism finding because that's what's getting children sort of in the door. Like I said, I think while we're thinking about creating the best classrooms for our littlest learners, it's important to remember that in early education, it really is kind of a three-way relationship between child and teacher and parent. And so, you know, figuring out the best way to get the highest quality early educator in the room broadly defined, um, is going to be really essential for supporting children's futures. Well, this is just fantastic work, Anna, and I want to encourage all of our listeners to go and read the full article. Again, it's titled Teacher-Child Racial Ethnic Match and Parental Engagement with Head Start, 
and it was recently published in the American Educational Research Journal. Anna Markowitz, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Keith. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minute, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes of this podcast, or to subscribe to the series, visit us at researchminutes.org. To share your thoughts on today's episode, or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E Hub. <laughs>